It is a scam when you don't allow everyone to operate on fair terms. We are the Robin Hoods of sports betting. We take something back from the rich bookies and enable our customers to beat them instead. G'day everyone, welcome to episode 8, I believe, of Sunday Streams. I've got the wrong lower third up, great start. Sunday Streams, if you haven't been along before, we uh, answer your betting questions, discuss both the new and old betting strategies, how to best use the TradeMate Sports software and welcome on guests from around the betting industry. Today has been... Uh, Nicely advertised, as you all should hopefully know, we are getting on Smart Sports Trader and um, we're going to talk about his making a million from sports betting challenge. And I, I know that people that are familiar with the channel and obviously avid ooh, avid uh, MMA and UFC followers, you've probably seen quite a lot of, of Ryan on the channel and... Um, yeah, I mean, we've obviously just always talked MMA, haven't talked too much about his actual challenge and yeah, what he's yeah, what he's uh, what he's tried to do with his sports betting in general, not just MMA. So um, it'll be really interesting to go through all of that. He is just uh, a couple minutes late. I think he's putting the kids to bed, so I'm sure he'll be on any moment now. Um. But yeah, feel free to start sending through any questions that you have for him. Um, but yeah, we'll basically just be going one by one through all of his strategies that he's used uh, in his bid to make a million dollars from sports betting or a million pounds. Um, and I guess, yeah, just go and break down each one and, and look at kind of the what have been the, 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 the good things about that strategy, the bad things, what he would change, you know, as he... Looking back now, I think he's been doing it for at least two or three years now. So, um, yeah, what would he go back and change? But So that will be very, very interesting. We can also, you know, harp on and talk about all the stuff that he's done in MMA and exactly, I mean, normally we just talk about individual fights and how he's come to that conclusion on a particular fight. Maybe we can actually delve a bit deeper and talk about his process and, yeah, and how he goes about his business. I'll stop babbling along because uh, he's uh, he's right here. How are you, mate? <laughs> Hi, buddy. Are you okay? Oh, mate, I'm all right. I I went you to ill? the. No, I'm just very tired. I went to the. They <laughs> have this thing called Magic Round here, and it, it was up in Brisbane, and they play three games of rugby league and in one day at one stadium. Right. And I just didn't get home till very late last night, mate. So. <laughs> I haven't had much sleep at all. Suffering, suffering for it. Suffering. Um, I, I did a nice little intro of you before, mate. Uh, and as, as I was doing the intro, I realized I haven't even moved over those those pictures that you sent me, your all graphs, right. uh, to this computer that I do the streaming off. So um, have you got them handy? If not, I can I can quickly move them over. Or maybe I can... Yeah. Uh, actually... I did save them, I think, somewhere. Uh, but how about the the UFC yesterday, mate? <laughs> that was yeah, got, got crushed last night, mate. Yeah, zero and five, so it's the worst. Oh. I can't, uh, I can't really remember losing that much money on a, a single event before. So <laughs> it wasn't oh. great, but these things happen, and uh, it's kind of as you know, if you, when you start to stake more as well, your losses become bigger, and you've got to get used to them. Because I remember initially, like losing like 50 quid in a day and yeah. that kind of hurting a bit you know and then and then it goes up to 100 uh and then it goes up to like 200 and then i'm fairly comfortable losing like 500 a day now but that was uh about 800 yesterday so that uh it did yeah. sting a little bit <laughs> yeah i mean i couldn't believe it I, I didn't watch any of the fights yesterday i still haven't watched did you not know i haven't no just because i was at the game but um yeah, I, I just remember I was checking my phone every like half an hour or so of the results and I was like, oh, there goes another one, oh, there goes another one, there goes another one. I was like, this is just shock up. Oh. Like the Chandler bet was the worst. I mean, like, just so everyone knows, we bet Chandler to win by KO at 3.5. So it got, got really good odds. Uh, I think it closed at like 2.8. Um, but yeah, that, that was one of the, the worst ones. Yeah. 
Oh, well, mate, we roll on. I, I've actually managed to get up, move over these graphs in the meantime. But oh, Cool. Uh, all right, so I'm just trying to find the... Did you have an overall graph? Oh, yep. Yeah. No, that's the value. Um, I've got an overall graph on my website, so I can, I can share the screen with you. Yeah, I can. If that's handy, but the ones I sent you were kind of broken down with like the like match betting, uh, value betting, and uh, yeah, casino stuff, and then kind of had it all broken down. But yeah, oh, I've gone on your website and I found it. Have you done forty six months? Say that again, buddy. Sorry, I broke up a bit. You've done? Have you done forty six months? Haven't you? Um, that sound about right. Forty eight, I think. Oh, okay, well, this is your results after. But I mean, it's not too far off. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, mate. I mean, it's it's been what forty-eight months. So quick maths. What's that? Four years. I, 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 Four I, years, I think, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe just give an overall summary of how everything's gone, and obviously, looking at the graph, it's been smooth sailing. You would say that there hasn't really been any big downturns or. I wouldn't say any big upturns either. So, yeah, maybe speak us through that. Yeah, so it's just a lot of volume, really. Like, I I use several different strategies. So, when I first started, I was mainly doing match betting. So, match betting four years ago, uh, it was a lot easier to make money. There was a lot more kind of opportunities. Like, when I first started match betting in, like, 2010, with just, like, one set of accounts, so just betting out of your own account, you could you could clear, like, a £1,000 a month quite easily. So, you know, like, as time went on and more people started doing it, obviously it hit the bookmakers um, a bit more and, it, you know, you make less and less from that as time goes on. But even four years ago, um, I was still making, like, I don't know, probably at least 500 to, like, 1500 from from match betting over a few accounts. Um, so initially, that's kind of what my focus was. Um and then as time's gone on and those opportunities aren't there, I've switched to doing a lot more value betting now. So there's a bit more like volatility and um, variance with that. Um, yeah. I churn over like hundreds of value bets a month, similar to kind of trade mate, but there's like a few other things to do as well. Uh, and then there's casino offers. So I exploit uh, any casino offers that are plus EV. Uh, and that's all, about vol- uh, that's all about volume as well. I've done uh, just thousands and thousands of uh, casino offers. And then there's a little bit of arbitrage in there as well. Um, and that kind of just helps steady the ship. You know, that's just kind of small profits. Uh, and earlier on, I was doing a bit more of that. But again, as time's gone on, I do kind of less and less uh, of that. And then there's also Betfair trading that I do. Um, mm. But that's mostly like pre-match trading. So that's trying to open and close positions before the start of a, like a football game. Or boxing's quite good for it. And I found that MMA as well, especially the main events. Um yeah, so I think that's everything, and then there's been a little bit of tipsters, but that's only made like uh, like a thousand pound over the the four year period, so it's it's quite a small amount. So I guess you're probably going through like more of an evolutionary phase in the whole journey, like the last you know couple of months, or you know moving into the next couple of months. Like it's changed, like your strategies are changing up a lot more than they were, you know, in month one and two, and and so on. Yeah, so you, like edges don't. Um, you know, they don't stay around forever, unfortunately. That's something like like I was saying about match betting. When I, I first started match betting, I didn't really realize what was in front of me at the time. Like I had uh, a friend who started at the same time and he just kind of went all in with match betting. Um, mm. While I like moved to Thailand and kind of like messed around and just did it here and there. And he's pretty much retired now uh, from the money he made from match betting. He kind of bought some businesses. <laughs> um, yeah, so he did really well from that. <laughs> so like, I, maybe I didn't make the best decision, but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so like as time goes on, you get obviously, mate. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, like like as time goes on, it's like now, um, like casino offers seem to have dropped off a lot this year. So I've made like over forty thousand pounds from from casino offers. So that's a big chunk of kind of those profits there. Um, But Mm. now this year, that that seems to, you know, the opportunity to do that has dropped off quite a lot. So now I'm looking at other areas. Now I'm kind of looking more into tipsters, seeing what I can do there. Um, you know, chat, I chat to Neil quite a bit because Neil's kind of, he's similar approach to mine in that we've got some solid strategies like value betting. Obviously that, that's one of our biggest ones, but he's always looking for like other edges as well. So yeah. it's just, um, you've just got to keep evolving really. I think kind of Jonas has talked about like, you can't just, 
like standstill. You know, it's like when you're making money with, well, he was making money from like SBO bet and those, um, you know, big Asian bookies, and then they start to limit you. You've got to kind of uh, find other ways to make money in other edges. Yeah, good uh, good question coming here from from Marius. He said uh, a realistic starting budget for starting a million dollar or pound cha- or euro challenge in this case. Um, I, I thought I thought this was um, yeah quite interesting. Like looking at your graph because with um, with I guess in general like what we say at trade made is the the more money you make from from sports betting and if you have all the you know all these great strategies and they work like your growth will be exponential because you know if if especially you know it's probably a lot different in your case because you're kind of doing this part-time so a lot of this money is going towards uh living expenses and, and all that kind of stuff but um I guess most people might look, at least I look at this graph and think, why isn't it more exponential? Like, you know, I like your, as your bankroll gets bigger, your stakes get bigger. Um, so like, is, is, is there a reason why it hasn't kind of taken off or is it more so just down to your strategy and yeah, maybe answer Marius's question in the meantime of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a tough one really for like how much would you need to actually make a million? Obviously I've, I've not made anywhere near a million and, um, it's taken me four years to make a hundred k, so it's gonna like <laughs> it's gonna take me a lot. Hope you're alive, like, man. 40, it's gonna <laughs> take me forty years, so I'll uh, yeah, I'll be kicking back in retirement. Um, but yeah, in terms of like why it's not been like um, exponential and it's not just taken off is uh, I like I'm the uh, biggest earner, I suppose, uh, in, in the household. So I've got two kids and a wife, and when I first started that challenge, we'd not been. Like I moved back to England in like 2013 from Thailand, I think, and I didn't really have any money or a house or anything like that. I never kind of used a lot of the money from match betting um, and betting in general to to get a house. And then mm. probably shelled out about 10K in visa fees and stuff for my wife to finally become like a British citizen. So that's uh, like another, you know, so that's probably taken like, yeah. well, I think the deposit on the house was like 30K. So that's 40K already. So even though I have been making that money, it's not all been uh, like going in the bankroll. Like I've been using it um, for other things. Like now I'm finally at the point where I can just have like that betting bankroll. And, and it's like, it is just, it is just growing now. Whatever I make does just go back into the bankroll. So hopefully in the next few years, um, you know, it might see um, like a growth, a bit more growth. Yeah, I mean, and talking about like a realistic budget for starting a challenge, I guess it's just all down to how long you're willing to take. If you want to, if you want to, oh, you're saying in a year. So, I mean, I mean, Jonas is probably the best person to ask. But Jonas, Jonas like has admitted that even though he did start with 10K, he obviously had a lot of run good, like. He um he told me, he's told me plenty of times and he's probably shared it on videos too that he he did get lucky in that year and I think he was maybe expected to make five hundred to seven fifty k or something like that but he ended up making a million so and his and his growth was exponential I guess exactly like we just talked about there like he essentially just reinvested everything he made so. If he made, he started with 10k and he made 10k in the first month. He was playing with 20k the next month, and then next month he's playing with 50k. And next thing you know, you're putting stakes of you know thousands and thousands of dollars down, and and that's how you can can make a million. But I mean, the also the opposite can happen, and you can lose your whole bankroll really really quickly. So. Um, I guess, yeah, using the Kelly criterion for those who yeah, have never heard of the Kelly criterion or like effective ways to be staking, you kind of always want to be staking a percentage of your bankroll. So if it gets bigger or smaller, that's how you adjust your staking. It's not just, you know, from the start, it's not just, yeah, if you've chosen one unit as 50 quid or whatever, it's not just doing 50 quid for the rest of your journey. Like you should be scaling up and down dependent on the size of your bankroll. But I mean, it's, yeah, it's completely different for you, mate. If you're in a yeah different financial situation and you need to, yeah, be thinking about kids and a, and a wife and all that, mate, it's, <laughs> you got a lot more to, to worry. I, I'd like to know, cause I don't know, people on this channel might know, but I'm going part time in a couple of weeks with, with my own sports betting and, and, you know, sharing time with trade mate and sports betting. Like 
I've just been wondering myself the last couple of weeks. I probably should have a definitive plan here, but like the difference between because I haven't got a big starting bankroll either. Like, how do you like how is it nowadays in terms of finding a percentage between yeah taking that money and and feeding your family with it compared to like putting that money back into the bankroll have you like worked out like a percentage or anything like that so no i don't really do it that way now because uh, i i also work part-time so i work um two days a week i'm I'm quite fortunate really i work two days a week but it's classed as 48 hours because when i sleep i also get paid for it so i get i get a full-time salary which covers all my bills and mortgage and everything um and then i get five days off a week so really i am able to like bet probably like at a full-time basis really i do put like 20 to 30 hours a week at least into Mm. my betting and trading um so like previously like i was uh, like using the money that I was making from um, sports betting um, and trading uh, to put towards like family holidays and like I say visa fees for my wife and like the house and stuff but now it's solely it all goes back into the bankroll I have invested some of it as well put some in like an index fund um, put a bit into bet markets as we talked about and that didn't go great uh, <laughs> but but yeah it's like the last I think the last two years I've just been able to kind of let my bankroll build up but it's also just like um, a psychological thing with me as well. Like I have like a, a set amount of money that I'm quite happy to lose and it, it doesn't affect me at all. Um, and it's something I need to work on really like as a state more and more. And you, you obviously your wins get bigger, but your losses also get bigger. Uh, but you have to kind of uh, become like happy with that, you know, and uh, that's probably something I need to look at a little bit more. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's really interesting, mate. Uh, we've got Connor here. He's gone with the question of... Great work, mate, and the website is brilliant. Do you do sports betting full-time, which you kind of answered a little bit before? Yeah, so like I say, I do, in a way, I do put like full-time hours into sports betting, um, but I'm also working as well. Like I said, I'm kind of in a fortunate position where I've, I've got a really good job where, you know, I can work two days and, you know, I've covered 48 hours. So that's, uh, yeah, I'm lucky in that respect. And you're also obviously running the website too, so that would take a bit of your time also yeah yeah that takes uh it doesn't take too much time like i put it i mean it's kind of up to me really it depends how much stuff i want to do but if i'm doing reviews and stuff it, it does take a bit more time but that that also brings in like a, a smaller income as well so that, that's that's pretty cool to have and i will say mate the old the the youtube channel it's upgraded i've seen a few new uh you know you change a few <laughs> camera angles mate like <laughs> did that by accident <laughs> <laughs> oh God, no, you don't realize how much uh you don't realize how much time it takes to make like a small you know eight to ten minute video like it takes like hours so it's uh it's something yeah. i'd like to do a little bit more of but i'll yeah i'll get there in the end yeah uh last question and then we'll go on to just like looking at breakdown of every strategy you've done uh mario says do you have a winning limitation per month so i don't have like a, an amount that i'll i'll make and then I'll, I'll stop betting because it's um like an edge is an edge like you, you can have a really good month or whatever and you could make a few thousand like like i say i lost like 800 pounds yesterday but before that the month had been pretty good i was up about 1700 or something like that so i'll never like stop at, at 2000 because there might be some really good opportunities in like the, the last two weeks or whatever it's all it's all about just you know taking the opportunities that are there and and it's just similar to to um trade mate really it's all about volume yeah okay mate let's um have a look at the first graph i got up here so this is your monthly results for match betting value betting and arbing um yeah, I mean, it looks pretty similar to the the overall graph, but um, yeah, maybe you just want to sp- speak a little bit about yeah your journey with match betting and Arby. I mean, you've already talked a lot about match betting. We know it's not as viable as it was back in the day, but what about something like Arbing? Is that something you're actively trying to do? Yeah, so I still do do uh, still do a bit of Arbing, like just kind of when the opportunity is there. Um, I don't hammer my soft books with with big arbs, but like there are there are smaller arbs that that probably people don't notice too much. Um, because like on Twitter, I can remember a few times some people have messaged me saying just like arbing doesn't work anymore and like you're full of um, BS and stuff like that. But there are you know there's always opportunities that come up. Like 
I'll tell you in like two, probably the end of 2019, the start of 2020, there was like an Asian bookie called Free ET, and that came up on uh, Asian Connect. And like every week there were small abs with them. There was like 0.7% abs with the betting exchanges. And then if you have like 0% on markets as well, um, you could do all right with that. And because it's because it was an Asian, but you could get decent stakes down. So like even if you have like a 0.5% ARB, you can turn that into a pretty decent um, value bet by just like leaving some money on one side. So you can give yourself like a 3 4% value bet. So I was doing like stuff like that until that kind of edge disappeared. They obviously, I don't know if it was a promotional period or they just wised up, um, but that that disappeared. So I still do like ARBing when stuff comes up. Like you will get ABS between ex- exchanges. Sometimes it is quite rare, but it does happen. And then like a new bookie will come up sometimes and they might have a few abs. So um, I don't do like a huge amount of it. Like I say, it kind of just pads the variance a little bit. That's kind of why I like to do it. And how do you, how are you finding these abs? Is it manually or are you using a software or? Uh, yeah. So like there was ones that were on free ET. That was just something I noticed um, manually. Um, I use something called the odds monkey that I've had for like, I've been using that for like I don't know five or six years. That's um, for match betting, but it has like some, um, it has like an odds matcher software, so you can see like all the odds from. It's got like 60, 70 bookies. It's pretty slow, uh, so a lot of the time you'll you'll miss them, but that that pops a few up. Uh, and sometimes I just kind of I'll just notice them if I'm looking at a market for like a betting purpose. Um, you know, I might just see an arbitrage bet there, but like I, like I said, I don't do a huge amount. So, um, I don't know. I'd say like less than ten a month at least. It's you know, it's not it's not massive. Yeah, because I went through a period where I was like actively. I just set up a preset in Trade Mate, like uh, edges over like ten percent or something like that, and see if I could find a few arbs. And I found a bit, but it just depends on the league and the margin and stuff like that. It wasn't like even like a ten percent edge was like it was an arb, but it's like it's such a small arb that. You know, you'd have to be staking thousands for it to like, you know, turn into a decent, you know, like a couple hundred dollar profit or something like that. So, I mean, it's probably worth yeah. your time if you're going to make a couple hundred dollars. But you you would think that I don't know. Do you think if if you're taking obviously just one sided a bookie and arbing it out somewhere else, do you think do you think they you know see like a massive stake come on something all of a sudden? Do you think they do you think they cotton onto that, or they just think that might just be a mug kind of thing to do? Even though you probably end up closing with a huge edge, even if it was like just as a straight value bet. No, I think I think they'll spot it pretty quickly. I think there's some markets that the um, spot quicker than others. So not like horse racing abs, like you tend to get shut down pretty quick if you're doing that. But it, like I'd say, like I don't know, even like UFC boxing stuff like that, you can maybe find some abs and stuff, um, which might go under the radar a little bit more. And then, like, there are abs between exchanges sometimes as well, but, like, I don't want to go too much into that because then I won't be able to get on them at all. So, um, like, there is still opportunities out there. It's just it's just not as kind of easy, I suppose, as just, um, like, smashing marathon bet or whatever because marathon bet will, will limit you pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and you've obviously got value betting stats here too, uh, and you've also got a graph for just normal sports betting. I guess, like, how do you separate those two in terms? Like, what's the difference in your mind between value betting and and sports betting? Oh, so sports betting—that's just my own. That's my own bet. So that's my own analysis. It's not. It's not always based on um, what the market's doing at that time. So it's mainly UFC, but. There's also some like in-play football on there, and there's a few like uh, pre-match football bets as well. Uh, so yeah, that's just a way to separate it, so I know how I'm doing um, compared to like how the other stuff's doing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um, all right. Well, I just got your sports betting graph up now. Um, so yeah, obviously not as much profit, and yeah, a lot more volatile than yeah than the uh, arbing and match betting and value betting. Um, yeah, kind of talk us through your journey here. You're basically, you know, I assume you're at peak profits now with your sports betting, and this is, I guess, involves a lot of your MMA stuff. Yeah, so mainly MMA. Like, can kind of see at the start, I'm kind of just um, finding my feet, I suppose, treading water a little bit. I was betting quite a lot of football, and then I think, like, I checked at the end of uh, last year, and like, my football results were like not point. I had like a not point seven percent ROI or something like that. Um, so yeah, it's mainly 
MMA stuff now. And I, I do some in-play football betting when I can see something that's obvious and I'm, I'm watching the game because, you know, they do make mistakes in the in-play markets. They're a lot less, like, efficient than the, the pre-match football markets, I think. Um, but, yeah, it's just mainly MMA stuff that we kind of talk about, you know, on a regular basis on the pod. It's, um, it's that style of betting. Yeah. Okay. And one of the questions I wanted to ask about your your MMA betting, which I've always forgotten to ask, is if you've ever thought of modeling MMA or if you even think that's possible to create a model for the MMA markets. Have you ever thought of that? Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's possible and I'm sure there's people that are doing uh, very well from it. That's just the way like I approach it. Like I'm not like um that mathematical minded like i can i can understand the basic concepts of how to make money like sports betting but if you ask me to create a model um you know i'd have to spend some time researching how to do it and, and put a lot of time into it and with mma i feel like i can well i can make a profit just from studying the tape of the fighters um and then kind of assessing in my head how the fight's going to go and how likely it is you know that a fight is going to win or a fight is going to lose or you know they're going to get a submission a ko or a decision and and that's worked out pretty well from uh, for me over the years so i don't see you know that much reason for changing it yeah so that's that's your process there mate you just look at tape do you do you look at the prices first or are you looking at the or are you trying to think of the prices in your head first ah, before you go and um check check at the bookmakers no so normally i'll like have a scan of the event and then see if anything just kind of sticks out um, just there and then from memory because um, obviously, we, you know, I watch a lot of MMA. Um, so sometimes I'll just see it like that. I mean, I saw a few weeks, I think it was about two weeks ago, Andrea Lee, Andrea Lee fought yesterday against uh, Antonina Shevchenko and she was like 2.6. I remember thinking, right, that, that's a big price, but I need to just watch some tape and and uh, be sure of it. But then I, I forgot about it basically and waited a little bit longer and she was like 2.2 by the next time I looked at it. So mm. um, there is like that might be like a, a drawback, I suppose, if you had that model that's just there, you know, that's that would just spit out that, you know, that, that's the value price straight away. Um, you know, that's the drawback of having to watch tape because when you're watching, you know, three or four um, fights or, you know, from each fighter, that, that takes a few hours. So that is like a drawback of it. Um, but sorry, mate, I've forgotten the, the actual question. Now, what was that? <laughs> no, no, that's fine. It was more so just asking... Um... Oh, mate, I can't even remember the question either. Well, we, oh, I, I think we were just talking about, oh, if you, yeah, you look at the prices first. Yeah, so you do look at the prices first. And right, yeah, yeah. You do your analysis after that. Um, oh, I had another good question for you, but obviously, oh, it was about modeling again. Do you think you could, because um, I think, I've always thought it would be really hard to model because styles make fights. So it's not like, um, you get two football teams together and most of the time the better football team, you know, any sport or any team kind of sport, like normally the better the better the team will win just because they're, they're you know, it's not like any football teams playing like a revolutionary style or like something completely different to what the other the other team's doing. Whereas in fighting, you could literally have a guy that's never striked before facing a guy that has striked all his life but he can't wrestle for shit so it's like yeah how do you how do you like do you think do you think even a model would work in that sense i've always thought that like maybe just like a database of maybe like rankings of how you rank certain fighters on their wrestling versus their striking all those kind of things that was the kind of the only, the only thing that i thought would be maybe useful but yeah any thoughts on that yeah, so I think there are people that do use like metrics, even like looking at reach and, and kind of length and like looking at previous like uh, striking statistics and defense rates and stuff like that. But the the only like issue I have just using like raw data is that it can be heavily skewed. So like, let's say you've got one guy who's got 100% takedown defense, but he's never fought, mm. you know, anyone that's that good at wrestling. And then you've got another guy who fought Khabib and then he fought Islam Makachev uh, and then he fought Kamara Usman. And he's got a zero percent takedown defense. You know, the, it can be heavily skewed depending on the competition. So you've got to be careful about that. And it's the same with like striking statistics. It's like you, if there's, you know, in one fight, one guy might take like 180 significant strikes or something ridiculous over five rounds, uh, and that can like heavily skew the data. So that's the only reason why. Like I think you've got to be careful when you're just using raw data, and that's kind of why I like to watch tape. 
and then just kind of assess how um, the styles of the fighters will will match. Yeah, I, I guess I think if there's ever a sport where it's you know quite useful to you know kind of just do it off the way you're doing it, analyzing tape and doing some research yourself. It's it's probably one of the better sports to do because there's just so many so many variables. You could have like the best fighter in the world. That's like you know. It, a great example is like Conor McGregor. Like at, at, at a point in time, he was the best lightweight or featherweight in the world, but his wrestling was, you know, it was it's not that great. Like compared to the, you know, someone ranked there was probably like guys that were ranked twenty at the time that were better wrestlers than him. So <laughs> it's um, you know, trying to match up and make a model over that would be, I would assume, it would be quite quite complicated. Um. Mate, I've uh, I've got up here because we just got a question come through from Connor Houlihan, and he's asked about your video on bet markets, and I talked a little bit about that this week on Twitter, and he's asking if you still use tw- uh, Tipsters. Sorry, so I thought um, I'll get the graph up of your Tipster results. We can kind of move on to the next segment, and this is probably the most interesting graph out of all of them, mate. I mean, it's very. Uh, very volatile. It's a bit all over the place. Like I'm kind of looking at this graph and thinking that you've had maybe three really bad tipsters and two good tipsters. Yeah, so there's uh, there's big gaps where I didn't I didn't use any tipsters, so that's why the, the oh. graph itself is very strange. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know what's going on with that graph, but um, uh, yeah. But when I started, I was using a few tipsters. Um, I mean, the thing with there are some good tipsters around, but the issue is with the majority of them is that they're all exploiting softbooks. So it's similar to like um, trade mate in a way. Like you, when you're, you know, you're, um, you know, you're beating the closing line consistently, even with a tipster, uh, you end up losing accounts. So I've, uh, I've had some decent ones. Like I've had a decent basketball tipster, but I was finding my accounts were getting limited quite quickly with that. And I've had some decent horse racing tipsters as well. Um, so now, like going forward, like I said, I'm looking at tipsters that are, will be profitable um, using bet market, uh, not bet market, sorry, um, using bet mar- uh, bet fair. Sorry, <laughs> I kept looking at the question. Uh, using bet fair and the exchanges, uh, but in terms of bet markets, I do, I do think they have some good tipsters because um, yeah. I was doing like a little experiment, basically following some of their tipsters, and, and when they put up bets on bet markets, I was seeing if I could. Um, I get better prices than what they were putting up on bet markets, and and if I was able to get a better price, or I was able to at least match it with some of the better tipsters, um, I was betting on them, and it had been doing pretty well. It had been pretty profitable, um, but I've I've taken all my money out of there now. So the only way that you can follow the tipsters, um, you know, is to be staking them. So what you, I mean, what you could do is, you know, you could put a very small amount of money in bet markets, and you know, you could still follow the tipsters and you know have bet markets be placing like one or two pounds, and you could take the bets for yourself. But I don't, I, I don't know. I could see, I could see bet markets cracking down on that because that's not what it's for, really. Yeah. Well, it's just, yeah. I, th- I think, like you said, it's a, it's a great, um, it's a great platform, and and I think the people behind it. I listened to a bunch of podcasts, you know, with with them. And I think he was on Smart Betting Club podcast, which I, I listened to it and I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is a superb idea. And, you know, I, I even emailed them and asked them about like, you know, how are you able to get so much money down and all this kind of things. And, yeah, I mean, I shouldn't, I, I think myself, like I probably shouldn't have been so naive to think, you know, you can get thousands and thousands of dollars down for for all these people on a tipster and not lose out on a on a good price so yeah it's it's one of those and and i think like the 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 best way that you were able to get it across to people in your video was showing the price differences with neil mcdonald and you know showing that you know he's sending out these these picks at a certain price and you know on his like normal you know tips to channel and then the bet markets prices I don't know how much significantly less it was, but at least his ROI was a lot smaller, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it was about 4% smaller. But I mean, I did kind of understand that with bet markets. I was expecting like a 5% ROI. I thought that even like with the kind of 20% and also them having to take lower odds, you might be able to churn out like a, somewhere between like a 1% to 2% ROI long term. But uh, I just didn't really see that happening. So. Uh, but I mean, in the future, yeah. they you know they might make some changes, or they might like cap 
the amount of people um, that are able to follow tipsters in that way. They might be able to, uh, you know, bet and, and get better odds. I don't, I don't really know. But, um, yeah, I, I took my money out just because I wasn't confident that it was going to turn a profit. And, uh, yeah, but I do. I wish them all the best, though. Like, uh, yeah. I hope it does turn out because it's a, it's a cool idea. And, uh, like you say, the guys behind it do seem, uh, like, genuine. So Yeah. Well, Neil's one of those like rarities, isn't he? Where he's got he's got such a huge huge sample size of of tips that he's you know that you can clearly see that he that he has an edge. Whereas like a lot of the tipsters on the platform, like you, some of them don't even have you know a couple hundred. Like they'll just have a couple hundred tips. And I know to a lot of people that'll seem like a a massive sample size, but realistically, it's not like you can you can you can get very lucky or very unlucky. On the other hand over a couple of hundred tips and have have no no edge at all i mean i think when i first started this sunday stream stuff i, I ran some simulations at the start of like people who had a negative edge and betting that had like a negative one percent edge and there was there was like a decent chance of them being profitable over a couple hundred bets just out of sheer luck so yeah, I mean, I'm in no way saying that the tipsters on there that I've I've got no edge because you know I've got no idea, but they've obviously been vetted and you know highly looked over. But yeah, it's it's pretty clear that they need to make some some changes to the the platform. I think the biggest one is is the just showing their results on bet markets versus real life. I guess like because all the 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 records there are all from pre-bet markets and and those results aren't really realistic once you get on the platform so that would at least be a bit more transparent i guess that's the best way of putting it and and people won't go in and see an eight percent roi and think oh yeah this will be this will be good fun <laughs> yeah I think, I think they are implementing that i think that's something they said they were gonna they were gonna do but yeah it does it does need to be done yeah um so yeah, how do you how do you like these days? How do you go about finding a finding a tipster? Are you are you following anyone else other than Neil McDonald at the moment? Um, so I'm I'm following a greyhound tipster called what's he called Premier Greyhound Tips, and he's he's got like a record going back to 2014. Um, and someone someone had just pointed him out to me and said that you know that it was a good tipster. Um, and you know I, I read a lot about betting and yeah. You know, I'm a member of the Smart Betting Club as well, and they kind of assess tipsters. And I'll, I'll look at normally I'll look at like who's had like good reviews elsewhere, and then I'll contact them and see, you know, if they're open for me to review them in that way. Then if they are, if they are good, and I'll I'll run like a free month like review period myself. And if they are good, then I will then follow that tipster myself and like add it to my overall portfolio. So yeah, at the moment I'm following Neil McDonald. He's a like a proven football tipster over many years, thousands of bets. He's he's really good. Um, and then yeah, a greyhound tipster as well. And I follow like a lot of free tipsters that come with with a smart betting club as well. They've got some uh, decent guys there. Yeah, what's your like? I guess your vetting process like? Do you are you just strictly looking at the results, or are you yeah looking to see if they're beating closing lines, or is it kind of dependent on the sport? Yeah, it depends on the sport. I mean, like. Um, so even like I'd say when Neil McDonald is betting in like big markets, but his a lot of his bets are like in the both teams to score market and stuff like that. So I don't know how efficient those markets are like uh, in terms of like how the closing lines and stuff do. Like I don't think like with Trade Mate, I don't think like that's a market that you guys look mm -hmm. at. Um, so I, you know I'm more I do look at results uh, more than like closing lines and stuff, and it's it's more just time as well. Like I don't have enough time to do that. Like um, I don't have enough time to like look at every single closing line. Um, I mean, it's a bit easier with like horse racing and stuff because you've got like the Betfair start price and stuff like that. Uh, but with when you're talking about like greyhounds, mind you, there's a there's a starting price for them on Betfair as well. But if you're looking at like other markets, um, then yeah, it's a little bit more difficult. So yeah, I'll just kind of follow them for like three months at least, just in like how obtainable the odds are because there's a lot of tipsters that all. Put something out so like i was following one called the basketball geek who was a pretty decent tipster but like he put stuff out at, so he's based on my odds of 12 but i could only get like odds of nine you know so that's like um stuff that i'm more interested in like can i actually get the odds 
that they're stating they're betting at because that makes a massive difference. Because if you got it, you know, you can have a twenty percent ROI, but if I can't get close to the odds, um, then it's not much use. Yeah, I mean, I follow tipsters too, where they'll put out. Let's just say they put out their picks at five o'clock in the afternoon, and you and you could be there ready to go, like open the, the email with their tip, and the price is just not there anywhere. So you kind of get the feeling that they've sent out that price and then back to themselves and it's just gone in and it's and the price is just completely gone so yeah i mean it it's one thing finding a good tipster but even if you find a good tipster it's it can be a bit difficult in terms of the actually being able to get the price so yeah i guess there's lots of things to factor in with a tipster and one thing that people probably don't factor in at all is just having to pay a monthly or a weekly subscription and how much that i know it's probably in a lot of cases maybe small compared to the profits you're making but it's still something you have to factor in and you know if you only want to bet 10 pounds or something per per bet and the subscription fees like 30 pounds or something like that you're probably not gonna I mean, it's a decent chance you'll probably never make a profit. And if you do, it'll, it won't be much at all. I guess it's similar to with trade, mate, and, and making sure that you have a big enough bankroll to start there. So, yeah, lots of things to consider, mate. <laughs> I mean, it's, it can be a bit of a whirlwind trying to find a, trying to find a good tipster. So, yeah, be interesting to see yeah, if, yeah, you are, totally, man. if you can find any more good ones over your time. Um, if anyone's got any more questions about tips, it's obviously a very interesting topic. Feel free to send them in. Um, yeah, and, and please give us a like if you if you for the people that are watching. It's uh, it's hugely appreciated. Maybe go share it on Twitter or something. Go share share to your friends. Show how good Ryan's doing today. Um, why don't we Why don't we talk about? Um, I mean, we've talked a little bit about casino offers already um this is your graph for casino offers so I, I mean for people on this channel they're probably a lot of them probably not even familiar with what casino offers are they're probably seeing like you know the little casino tab at the top of the website but exactly like what your what you try to do there and how you've actually been able to make money yeah, so it's uh, kind of similar to trade making, whether it's just like a proven strategy. So it's it's just like mathematics. So it's when bookmakers might give you like a cashback bonus, or they might some of them give you like twenty percent increase on your winnings if you if you win that day. Um, or sometimes like it's a bonus, a fifty pound bonus, and you've got to wager it like thirty times. There's like there's tons of different kind of bonuses and promotions, but it's all. Um, you know, it's all it's all just uh, mathematics it's uh, like I use a service to make it really easy for me so that I don't have to kind of churn through every offer um, and kind of go through it all and see which ones are plus EV and which ones aren't uh, but the simplest way to explain it is just like the, the coin flip example you know if someone's paying me one pound five pence every time the coin lands on heads uh, and I'm paying them a pound every time it lands on tails you know we flip that coin uh, a thousand times you know it's way more likely that I'm going to be uh, in profit than they are and that's just the same thing with uh, casino offers so it's not exciting or anything it's, casino offers are pretty boring it's just it's just a churn you're just trying to churn through as much volume as you can um, and I, I think I've run pretty well with casino offers you can see there's been a few little dips but um, you know it's mainly been like a nice upward trend so uh, but like I say this this year it has dropped off quite a lot um, not really sure why uh, but uh, hopefully you know we see um kind of that come back again maybe with like cryptocurrency we might see like another kind of error where we get some decent offers for like match betting and casino stuff um yeah with cryptocurrency that's my hope anyway yeah well how have they i mean a lot of the time you'll be using casinos that also have a sports book too so how has that affected your sports betting like account limitations and stuff like that would you say it's affected it positively or negatively I don't think it's had any effect, to be honest. Like, uh, no, nah, I, I don't think it's had any effect. I think well, possibly with Bet365 might have looked favorably on it because uh, I've had accounts with um, Bet365 that seem to have lasted quite a long time, even though I've been like doing a lot of match betting and, and stuff with them. Um, but in terms of the other ones like Betfair and stuff, they've always kind of closed me down, and they'll they'll like remove your casino offers as well. They'll take them away, um, and then a lot of them kind of just standalone casinos. 
Um, so I don't, I don't think it's had too much effect, to be honest. Yeah. All right, mate. Let's um, let's move on. I'll just remove my screen for a sec while I change images. So the last one that we haven't gone through is your trading. And I guess, I mean, this is one of the most popular topics as you go through YouTube, especially there's all sorts of people doing videos on trading. And I guess it's just very popular because it's one of the rare places in betting where you can you can make a full-time living out of out of trading sports betting so there's lots of people looking to gain an edge there mate do you want to yeah speak us through your journey here from from month one all the way to 48 and yeah how much time you've invested there because a lot of people will say like this should be the place you invest the most in because once you figure it out then you don't have to worry about account limitations anymore yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, so when I started, I was doing kind of quite a lot of horse racing. Um, I was doing like early morning horse racing stuff and football. But like as time, like I say, said with other stuff, as time goes on, like edges disappear. So there used to be like a really easy edge um, where there was one exchange that just followed Betfair, but with a slight delay. So you could basically just watch something move on Betfair and know that it was going to move like 10 seconds later on this other exchange. So you could like just lay and then back. Uh, and make money there so early on i was doing that until they kind of cottoned onto it and the uh <clears throat> they made it a lot quicker so that it, it wasn't just following betfair with like a 10 second delay because that that was very easy to exploit uh, and even then i should have made more of that like i never really completely hammered it because i didn't want them to get rid of me so i always just kind of um took a little bit of money with that um and then uh like the MMA markets, like Reese, well, I'd say in the last few years, they've become something that you can trade. Like early on, I'd say like four years ago, there wasn't as much liquidity. So because I kind of uh, followed the sport quite well, I understand the ranges of the prices. So I will, I don't want to give away my edge here, actually. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I'll keep quiet about that. Uh, but yeah, I, I do more on MMA and boxing now because I understand what fighters should be priced at. Um, so yeah. I can position myself uh in like decent decent positions basically uh, and you can do that with other sports as well if, if you understand it very well um so for me it's just opportunity based like i don't i don't do too much horse racing anymore just because i just didn't find out the time with that to be honest um so that was just something i kind of knocked on the head i mean i still do it every now and again if i spot something obvious but for me it's more about obvious opportunities now like i do know uh, uh, quite a few people who do really well from like pre-match training uh trading but they're they're very like focused on it and they have lots of different sources. I think you talked to a guy who was on about using journalists and stuff. Uh, I can't remember his name, sorry. Uh, um, I know, yeah, I know I'm people. I'm too that, tired to remember. Is it Tony? Names. I think he was called Tony. Tony uh, Alvarez, yeah, Tony Alvarez. That was it, yeah. So I know people that use that, uh, like a similar approach to, to him, basically. But it's all with that, it's all about getting the information as quick as possible. Um, and yeah. For me, I'm just like, bit more relaxed i just take the the easiest opportunities so that i can uh that i can see really mm. okay so so nowadays are you doing any more like outside of mma are you doing any football trading or anything like that so i do a little bit in play but it's, it's more more straight betting now like especially i just i just find it easier to be honest to if something's value um, yeah, and then you can bet it and just forget about it. You know, with trading, it's a lot. There's a bit more maintenance unless you've you've automated it. Like you've kind of, uh, you know, you've got to be there. You've got to be making very quick decisions, especially when it comes to horse racing. If you're doing it like five minutes before the off, you've got to be able to like process that information very quickly and then, uh, you know, make decisive action. And I found that I wasn't very good at processing information very quickly. Well, I was a bit better like doing early morning racing to like 20 minutes, 10 minutes before the start. It's a bit better with that because you've got more time to assess stuff. Um, and then with football as well, that's that's a little bit better because uh, you've got like a longer period of time. I mean, stuff like FA Cup's really good uh, if you can get information that the team's going to be playing some youngsters or like the Man United-Leicester game the other uh, week where United, you know, they had like four games in like eight days, so they fielded a weak team against Leicester. Like if you can get that type of information, then you can make a lot of money. So if like someone asked me, like the easiest way to make money from trading that that would be what i would say would kind of look for those mm. the best opportunities uh the easiest opportunities uh, but it's, it's just about you know how, uh, 
getting that information really and reacting as quick as possible. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like a bit of a, at least to me from the outside, it looks like a little bit of a slog. Like it takes a long time, I feel like, to get to get really good at trading. Having talked to guys like yeah Neil Shah, who we've had on the channel lots of times, like he's just he's spent the last year trying to uh, yeah get better and better at trading, and he just said like it's just it's just so time consuming and it's very hard to you know even quantify whether there's an edge there or not and yeah, i think the time consuming is like the worst part of it because you know let's just say i know this like uh it's probably not a great comparison but imagine like following a tipster versus being like trying to nail the sports trading markets like you could sit down to watch a football game and be trading that and that's two hours of your time gone whereas you could get a tip from a tipster and you can place it within a couple of minutes. So in terms of, yeah, yeah like time investment, I know it's not a great, know. yeah. No, I kind of see where you come from. You've got to be really committed, haven't you? Because obviously there's, you know, there's a lot of people trading and sometimes there's courts, there's people with um, faster streams than you have normally, you know, so you've got a bit of a lag. So people are seeing stuff before you're seeing it. So, I mean, sometimes there are like obvious opportunities, like, uh, there was like Real Madrid played Chelsea a few weeks ago and like the under got smashed in that market. It was like under 2.5 was like 1.6 before the game even started. But when the game started, Chelsea had like three really good chances inside 15 minutes. So, you know, and the odds, the odds uh, pre-match didn't represent what was going on in play. And, and that's, you know, that happens more in like European football because there's not a, it's a bit harder to like assess, right? You're not seeing them, uh, like week to week so it's uh there is you know there are opportunities there but it's just kind of yeah like you say it's just it's very competitive so so it's a bit tougher than like say value yeah. betting for example yeah definitely and even um even in mma i've noticed like i reckon the odds are a bit sharper now than they than they were a year ago because i reckon i first started actually looking at the odds and live mma markets about a year ago and i you know i i remember like the first couple of times i did it i was essentially betting on every single fight because i just i saw value in just about every fight but uh nowadays when i have been logging on my, my mma watching has been quite poor of recent times but when i have logged on and looked at the odds there's not really like that obvious like oh you know you have to take that kind of price um floating floating out there yeah the, the uh yeah, what I'm finding with the MMA markets is um, like the early lines get taken a lot quicker now. So the used to, odds used to hang around a bit more. Like I was saying about that Andrea Lee being like 2.6, like two weeks out. And then, uh, you know, I looked like a week before the fight or five days or whatever, and she was 2.2. It doesn't it doesn't hang around. I think there's, there's you know, more people betting MMA, and I think there's you know, a lot more like sharper money in the markets now. I mean, there's still money to be made and stuff, but I do, I do agree that it's... Um, a bit you know it's not as easy as it as it was let's say three or four years ago yeah yes all right awesome mate i think um i think we've just about gone through all of the graphs you've sent me so we've gone through trading sports betting value betting match betting arbing casinos and following tipsters mate so you've you've tried a lot of things mate i reckon a good like summary question would be you know, if you went back in time to to month one, like what would you tell the the Ryan of nineteen years old? Let's just say, mate, what would you tell him? <laughs> <laughs> Buy some Bitcoin, probably. <laughs> That'll be the easiest way, and then not not bother with any of this. Just gonna sit on a beach and uh, drink tequila. Or <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'd just probably say that edges don't last forever. So when you do, you know, you do find an edge make sure you take advantage of it because you know it's not just going to hang around for a few years waiting for you to build up your bankroll and stuff you need to probably be a little bit more aggressive yeah okay is there any like um yeah strategy or anything that you've tried that you just you wish you maybe never tried or yeah i don't know a mistake you've made that you'd wish you could have adapted from um I mean, I started being like 10 years ago, so before I started all this challenge and stuff, I just randomly, 
I went on like a, like a betting reviews website and just followed like some random tipsters that they'd kind of said were good and lost like a grand. So that wasn't great, but so it's just like anything really, it's, you, you know, you've got to <clears throat> put the time in and kind of learn as you go, I suppose. Just, it's just striking that balance, I think, between not staking too much, but not staking um, too small either. And uh, I mean, you can't go far wrong with like match betting and value betting. That's that's a good. I think that's like the best basis for most people. It's just you can still make a few grand from value betting, and then uh, from uh, match betting. Sorry to like have that that bankroll for value betting, and then you know there's a, there's always like boosts and stuff like that as well that bookmakers do. So you can you know it's quite it's not too hard to turn over a few hundred bets a week value betting so uh yeah match betting and value betting would just be probably what i'd say to yeah. stick with and and moving into the future mate are you are you thinking of going along a similar path that you're doing right now or are you thinking you want to hone in on a certain skill a bit more or yeah well, is there any like definitive plan that you've got going forward so just started staking more on mma because i'm pretty confident in my edge there uh, you know apart from yesterday's been pretty good the last few years mma to me so uh stick with that and then and like i said probably just kind of be a bit more aggressive with the the edges that uh that i do know that i definitely have um uh, and then just try and kind of scale everything else up i mean you can scale value betting up it's just it's about getting accounts isn't it and that's that's another topic really it's the yeah yeah i mean that is that is a whole nother topic getting accounts <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um all right let's uh i don't really got any more questions for you mate i mean we obviously get you on the podcast every now and then too so um got plenty of other times to ask questions but if anyone else has got that is watching this live has any more questions for ryan then send them through pronto and uh and we can get to them is there anything else we uh i haven't covered today mate that that you think's worth, no, worth mentioning it's been pretty pretty deep gone gone pretty deep any got uh got obviously some more ufc around the corner is there anything that's exciting you coming up i can have a look at the next card that's coming is that the garbrandt font card yeah, yeah, I quite like Rob Font, but like I, like I was saying about odds moving a lot a lot quicker because, you know, Garbrandt's probably the bigger name there, so you kind of expect um, him to be the favourite, but I, I do favour Font in that fight and the money has come for Font, so that, I found that quite interesting, so I had to jump on that bet a little bit earlier as I saw it was coming in. Um, so, yeah, I've looked at a little bit of stuff for next next week's card, but not too much, but I'd be interested in asking you, actually, what's the, um, like your approach? You know, you talked about you're going to be betting more like um taking it a bit more serious so what's your approach is it mainly value betting or are you uh planning to do like anything uh, aside from that yeah so i guess a, a few things i can't really say what it is because i'm uh, i'm not allowed to share <laughs> uh exactly some of the, <laughs> some of the things that I, i'm doing it's not dodgy or anything like that it's just you know other people's information i can't be giving out but um yeah, so I guess to be honest, mate, lots of lots of different things that I've just been able to to find decent edges in, and I guess I'm just going to try and explore all those avenues. And um, yeah, I, I think the the biggest thing that I worry about is just the whole staking thing and and making sure that you know I have a part time income there from trade, mate. So that keeps me like relatively safe. It means that. You know, even if I have a bad losing month, it's not like I'm going to be on the streets or anything like that. So, yeah, it's just about finding that balance. But uh, in terms of what I'll be doing, so trade mate will be one of them. Obviously, like I've, I've increased my stakes pretty decently with trade mate and using the software. The problem is, is we don't really support many Aussie bookies. So I think I've only got uh three Australian bookies on the software that I can use and, and the exchanges too on top of that. So it's pretty tough to get like the a decent amount of turnover when there's only three bookies. I mean, those, the thing is those three bookies though, kind of have the same odds as a lot of other bookies in Australia, but then, you know, I mean, all you're really doing is, I mean, so there'll always be accounts there at least, but it's not like you can go big and, yeah. and start staking. Uh, so you got trade mate. Um, there's a, and then I think just mostly just following other tipsters that I've I mean there's a tipster that I've followed this year that 
that's had like a 40% ROI. Like it's just, it's just been insane. And I know there's probably a lot of run good there, but um, he kind of, he's just taken like a completely different strategy to the way he looks at, at, uh, at football, football and stuff like that, which I was always just really interested by. And I mean, I'd happily shout out his name and it has probably be nice of me to do, but I, uh, I think at the moment, like I struggle to get his prices enough at the moment. Like it actually works out <laughs> if I don't shout him out and and um, and give some of his stuff away. But I think overall, just like my ability to have have done the podcast and and meet so many great people through trade, mate, like yourself and Jonas and Haru and Anthony, like all these guys that I've been able to build relationships with throughout the last year or so and and obviously the main thing is just you know we've done like over 100 episodes of the podcast and talking to guys like marius too who's really smart and i've just learned so much from from sports betting in the last you know basically if you wound the clock back two years ago mate like i was just like any any punter on the street that just like to have a bit of fun on the weekend so have learned a lot and um yeah, built some really cool relationships and I guess that's set me up to be able to do this part-time. But I guess it's just been, you know, finding that edge and then you've got to act on it. Like, is it, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've made some decent money as a side income, but when you're trying to feed yourself with that money too, that's a, that's a different story. <laughs> that's, that's a different different emotional ride because I, I was talking to Neil about it because he was – um. Because he was, I think, I don't know if he was having a crack at me or anything, but I was kind of just saying like, yeah, I just lost a couple of grand on trade mate on the week, but you know, that's part of the game. Like you just kind of get used to it kind of thing. And he was like, yeah, but it's a different story. <laughs> you're, uh, you're trying to feed yourself with that money. I'm like, yeah, I guess that's fair enough. I have a full-time job, so it's not like it's, it's going to kill me. Yeah, I've got a lot of respect for people that that do it full time because, like you say, the uh, the swings must be a little bit more difficult unless you've got a huge bankroll and you're already pretty much you know financially secure. But if you're uh, working off a smaller bankroll, even like I don't I don't know how much I would kind of want in the bank to do it full time. But even with like 40, 50k, I'd still be pretty edgy. I think about doing it full time just because. I mean, like if you if you look on Trade Mate sometimes and you can if you got access to the big data uh, tool like you can find profitable strategies but you can see that them strategies might not make money for like six thousand bets and like that yeah you know that's that, that can be scary <laughs> to look at you when you're uh, you're doing it full-time so yeah i do have a lot of respect for for anyone that does it full-time because it's uh, it, it must be pretty tough yeah yeah no definitely um shane sorry i think shane just sent through a few messages here he says greetings from dublin island nice to have a stretch in the evenings here june big month for sports betting betting compounding euro 2020 wimbledon coming out i think the french open starts in a week i believe i could be all right wrong there so that'll be good and then wimbledon's normally straight after so that'll be a good month for everyone um and he says variance will always be your friend or against you in the markets it's probably about being able to ride out those storms or these storms and only betting incorrect percentages as percentage oh my god percentages oh i can't even pronounce percentages like seriously <laughs> you said it right <laughs> is that even a, is that even a is it percentages oh mate i'm having a shock i gotta go back to bed uh <laughs> well uh, this. sorry sorry shane completely botched you your uh your statement there but yeah, it's, it's probably time for, for me to go back to bed. But, yeah, no, it's a, um, it is an exciting time coming up. I'm very excited about the tennis and trade, mate. We've, we've had some very, very, very good results of late, which has not really been the case over the years. Maybe maybe finally variance is playing out, mate, and where those – I think we've had something like a 10% ROI the last couple of months on the, on the non-recommended oh, league. So. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll see if we can. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, really interesting. I mean, normally it's been quite poor, and the theory was that, or at least Marius's theory was that, that sometimes if you've got like a smaller tournament, like a challenger, or I don't know, even like just a normal ATP event, if 
someone like a Federer or Nadal are playing there, like maybe they don't take it as seriously as a Grand Slam tournament, which I guess is a fair statement. But I think like having talked to guys like Dan Weston and stuff like that, like it was, it's more so the fact that the market was just hugely inefficient or maybe not hugely inefficient, but very inefficient compared to football and stuff like that. So, yeah, you got to do a bit of research, I think, with the old the old tennis betting to get the best out of it. You don't have much tennis betting with trade, mate? No, I mean, it, it pops up quite a bit on the, um, like, if you've got the, the sharp settings, you do get, like, quite a few, like, decent edges on, on Betfair and Matchbook and stuff. So I, I always wondered about that. You get like four or five percent edges sometimes with the with the pro software, um, but well, like you say, some, maybe there's a reason for that. That the people that are putting the money on the exchange know more, uh, you know, than Pinnacle because I don't know what Pinnacle's kind of uh, liquid it is like for those type of markets. But but yeah, tennis does seem to be a tough one to to crack. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing compared to the you know the liquidity they have for an EPL game or anything. I think like. I've had a breeze through every now and then and maybe like, you know, five, six, seven hours before a tennis match, there might be like a thousand, thousand and a half euros worth of liquidity in the market. So, um, yeah, it can, it can, it can shift pretty quickly, but all right, mate, if, if there's nothing else to uh, cover today, we might as well call it a day and I can go back to bed. I mean, we can, we can both go to bed essentially. <laughs> yeah i need to get some time on my xbox it's uh <laughs> kids are asleep wife's uh wife's asleep as well so yeah mate so, how good how good this is the little me play time. time for me <laughs> um yeah next week i'm not sure if uh oh, i mean we'll be back but i'm not sure if i will have a guest i mean should have a guest i just have no idea who that will be i'm a little bit unorganized but thanks for watching everyone uh, if you are still here, please give us a like and yeah, comment any questions if you're watching this back on the afterwards uh, and have any questions, always happy to go back in and, and answer those. So yeah, throw out any comments um, and always happy to hear suggestions for, for what you guys want to want to talk about going forward on the on the stream. I'm, I'm really not fussed about what I talk about here and what guests I get on. So I think it's just a... Nice, relaxed environment, can have a yarn with people, get some stuff up on the screen and show all sorts of graphs and and stuff like that. So, yeah, thanks for coming along today, mate. I'll, uh, well, cheers. Yeah, cheers for having me on. No, it's, been, it's been quality, mate, and I th especially for myself, like listening to someone that's kind of doing it half-ish part-time. I mean, you've more so moulded into full-time over the years or at least close to it. And, and yeah. Not like a big bankroll, like your, your Jonas's and stuff like that. So it's always, uh, always interesting to hear someone that's kind of more like searching for a, uh, I don't know, like a, a more of a passive income, I guess you'd say, and 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 still doing. Yeah, it like it's like a retirement fund for me. That's yeah, that's the way I see it. It's a early retirement, hopefully. Yeah, mate. Oh, be beautiful, mate. We'll uh, we'll join one day. We'll join Jonas on the on the beach somewhere about. <laughs> um, about 50 years after him probably but we'll get there eventually yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks for watching everyone i will play the little outro video and we'll uh, catch you next week